in a world where is this thing on barely this episode of the just john podcast is brought to you by the random fact that the answer to the ultimate question of life the universe and everything is 42 unfortunately no one knows what the question is and two of the most amazing patrons on the planet find out how you can become a patron of the show by heading on over to justjohnpodcast.com slash support What up, homies? I'm your host, John Medina, and this, my fine, fine ladies and gentlemen, is the Just John Podcast, episode 42 for the week of June 11th. Today on the show, ads on your smart TV, expensive Star Wars props, and more. Some avocado. Ads on your smart TV. So imagine this, you're a company, say your name is Samsung, and you're trying to figure out how to get additional money out of your television business, because the television business isn't an extremely lucrative business, and so all of these companies are trying to figure out how to make extra money, how to help support their bottom line. So what do you do? Well... You add annoying advertisements to TVs that people already have in their home, apparently. It's been reported that Samsung is readying the European expansion of an initiative it has started in the United States last June. I had no idea that this even existed until I happened upon it while I was trolling around on social media one day. But, apparently there are interactive advertisements to, on the menu bars of its high-end smart TVs. The impact isn't just limited to the customers that are buying new Samsung TVs, though. If you had an old Samsung TV, this is going to happen to you as well. This is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not sure that it's completely Samsung's fault alone because the advertising business in general is struggling right now because everybody uses ad blockers on their PCs and Macs. A third of people use ad blockers on their mobile devices. And there's a ton of people that don't have cable, so they don't see the advertisements on cable. Sure, if they have Hulu, the regular Hulu, they may see some advertisements, but they have the option to do the ad-free Hulu. Netflix doesn't have ads. Amazon Instant Video doesn't have ads. No one reads the newspaper anymore, and magazines are a dying medium as well, so where are advertisers able to place their ads? Well, they're trying to figure out new ways, and this is one of the ways. You have a smart TV, a TV that is constantly connected to the internet. So why wouldn't they pay the manufacturer of the TV that runs the servers that the TV rolls off of to put advertisements on there and still try to force it into your face? And why not do it with Samsung, which, don't get me wrong, I love Samsung's phones, and I'm a big Samsung fan, But Samsung doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to customer expectations for certain things, especially their TV products. Heck, last year, because of the way that their privacy policy was worded, people thought that their TVs that had the microphones in it so you could say volume up, volume down, were listening to people's conversations. Apparently it wasn't, but because of the way it was worded, that's what everyone thought. Now, you can turn off this feature, but of course, they basically 
have it on by default and you have to go scouring through your settings to figure out how to turn it off. So if you do get a new Samsung TV, you better be prepared to do some digging before you can watch your favorite films and shows without any interruption because if you don't turn it off, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get pop-up ads on your TV. You know, when I see a car like this, first thing I do is I say, would you look at this? Star Wars. One of the most influential things to ever occur in science fiction and in the nerddom and in pop culture in general. And now you can get some amazing props. If you're intrigued by the idea of using Darth Vader's melted helmet as an extremely imposing paperweight, or if you need a lightsaber hilt for your mantle centerpiece, and you have several thousand dollars lying around for your discretionary purchases, you should check out Disney and Lucasfilm's new line of Star Wars collectibles. They are branded the Ultimate Studio Edition, and they are replicas of props from The Force Awakens, including helmets from Vader, Kylo Ren, and Poe Dameron, and weaponry from all the movie's heroes. And they are built in the same shop that produced the movie's actual equipment. They're, of course, stunning and hyper-detailed, and they, I mean, they look like they came right off the set. They really do. But they come with prices to match that. The melted Darth Vader helmet will set you back $3,500. You can step down to Kylo Ren's helmet, which will still cost you $2,000. And the hilts of Kylo Ren and Rey's lightsabers are $1,250 a piece. You can kind of understand the price when you consider the amount of craftsmanship and what is really going into these pieces. They're not some machined, manufactured, just thrown on an assembly line cheap plastic toys. They are handmade, advanced 3D modeled, replicas and they are made in the same shop that the originals were made in so that's why there's such a big price tag on it the props are only available in the u.s right now and some of them are being sold in limited editions to ensure their exclusivity only 500 copies of vader's helmet and finn's bloodied stormtrooper helmet are being made available the selection's also limited to props from the force awakens for now but i'm sure that in time we will see some replicas from the older Star Wars movies and the Star Wars movies moving forward. I I love Star Wars, don't get me wrong, but if I don't have Bill Gates money, this is just not a logical purchase for me. I mean, I'd love, love, love to have actual like studio-made replicas of these things. And, you know, if you've got the money and you're a big Star Wars fan, go for it, but... for a helmet is a lot of money. The Force will be with you, always. Removing the hate speech. Tech giants are agreeing to remove hate speech in less than 24 hours. Some of the biggest names in technology, including Facebook, YouTube, Microsoft, and Twitter, have vowed to remove illegal online hate speech within 24 hours. This is in support of a European Commission Code of Conduct to rid the internet of incendiary messages. In the Code of Conduct released earlier this week, the European Commission said its goal is to squash illegal online hate speech before it goes viral. Commission also called on the technology firms who agreed with the Code of Conduct to educate and raise awareness with users about appropriate online behavior. They're quoted as saying that social media is unfortunately one of the tools that terrorist groups use to radicalize young people and that racists use to spread violence and hatred. 
In addition to reviewing the majority of valid notifications for hate speech in less than 24 hours and removing or disabling the content as necessary, the companies agreeing to the Code of Conduct will also work closely with various organizations that help flag extremist content online. Earlier this year, Twitter did announce that it had made huge strides in ridding the social network of extremist accounts, quoting that since the middle of 2015, Twitter has suspended more than 125,000 accounts, many of which were supporting ISIS. The company said it was able to achieve this by increasing the size of its team's task with reviewing reports of potentially terror-related threats. Karen White, Twitter's head of public policy in Europe, did say that we remain committed to letting the tweets flow. However, there is a clear distinction between freedom of of expression and conduct that incites violence and hate. Now, one of the peculiar things about this and the interesting things about this is that while I, I completely agree and understand that, you know, really radical like terrorism should not be they shouldn't be able to use their social media accounts to spread that hate and that violence. But where are they going to draw the line? If I go on Twitter and say that at whoever is a big pile of shit, am I going to is does that qualify as hate speech? Or even to go a little further, if I say I really don't care for whoever, could that be considered hate speech? If someone flags it, is it going to be reviewed by a person? And if it is reviewed by a person, what kind of rules are they going to have to abide by in order to prevent the censorship of the internet? Because if somebody says something about me or my show on the internet and I don't like it, I could flag it as hate speech. And if there is no policy behind that, they could remove it. And I'm not sure that that's completely fair because everybody has a right to a point. You know, it's not slander and it's not death threats and things like that. So you have a right to disagree with somebody or something that somebody does. You have a right to do that. And so The only thing I'm worried about with this is that it's going to open the door to a little more censorship than we are used to or that we would be okay with. I don't think it's a bad thing, of course, though. I I think that these companies saying that they're committing to at least reviewing and answering these requests within 24 hours is important because I've heard many stories of people that they report something and nothing ever happens. It never gets reviewed or at least they're never notified that it's reviewed. And so I think that committing to it is going to help take a step in the right direction because if there is something that needs to be reviewed and you report it, now at least you know it's going to get reviewed. All in all, I think it's a solid decision, and we'll just have to keep an eye on it to make sure that they don't try to take too much advantage. But And honestly, I don't think that it will because all of the companies that have signed, agreed to this, are big advocates for open internet and freedom of speech and things like that. So I don't think we're going to run into a big issue, but still something to watch out for. I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious. All right, we are about halfway through the show, and as is usual, that means it's time to play some music. If you are or if you know an underground artist that you would like to have featured on the show, please submit your suggestions at justjohnpodcast.com slash song. The song that I'm playing today is called Break You, and it is by Bear Chest. I'm gonna take you to you to the morning. So you might as well bring your light with you
Again, that song was called Break You by Bare Chest. And as is usual, if you enjoyed that song and you want to find out some more information about the band, you can find out different links to all their various social media in the show notes below. It's weird. Life is nothing but a simulation. Elon Musk, one of the smartest men on the planet, possibly the closest thing to a real-life Iron Man that we've ever seen. 
says that there is a billion to one chance that we're living in base reality. Last week on stage at Recode's Code Conference, The Verge co-founder Josh Topolsky got halfway through asking Musk if he thought our existence was simulated before Musk jumped in to finish his question for him. He said, I've had so many simulation discussions, it's crazy. His argument on this is very interesting. It basically says that the incredibly fast advancement of video game technology indicates that we'll be capable of creating a fully lifelike simulation of existence in a short span of time. In 40 years, we've gone from Pong to massively multiplayer online games with millions of simultaneous players, games with photorealistic graphics, and stand now on the cusp of a new wave of virtual and augmented reality experiences. If you assume any rate of improvement at all, then games will become indistinguishable from reality. Even if that rate of advancement drops by a thousand from what it is now, let's just imagine that it's 10,000 years in the future, which is nothing on the evolutionary scale. Given that we're on the trajectory and that these games are increasingly playable on any device, the odds that we are living our lives in base reality, that is real reality, is one in billions. This is really interesting because you've got Elon Musk, one of the smartest men alive right now. And he's basically saying that there is a chance that we are Sims, that we live in a world that and everything we know and all of our minds and everything is simulated because somebody is trying to observe whatever situation they are trying to observe with our known universe. And I mean, sure, there's a possibility that there's a one in billion chance that we're in a real reality. But then again, if somebody is simulating us, isn't there a one in billion chance that they're in a real reality? So whoever would be simulating us is also a simulation or they're just the one in a billion, but we can't be the one in a billion. And don't get me wrong, I know I'm no Elon Musk, and I'm not smart enough to go head-to-head with Elon Musk on anything, really, so it's not like I'm saying that he's wrong, but being in a simulation isn't necessarily a bad thing. He goes on to say that if a civilization stops advancing, then that may be due to some event that erases civilization. Either we're going to create simulations that are indistinguishable from reality, or civilization will cease to exist. (laughs) elon musk didn't stop with talking about simulations he's also a cyborg just like the rest of us during the code conference he also talked about surviving the rise of the artificial intelligence if we can survive it at all He said that we are already a cyborg. You have a digital version of yourself, a partial version of yourself online in the form of your emails, your social media, and all the things that you do. I mean, technically, this podcast is part of my cyborg personality, all of my Twitter, Facebook accounts, everything that I've ever done on the internet is technically part of my cyborg personality, according to Elon Musk. We already have superpowers, he says, citing the world's access to the use of smartphones and personal computers, stating that we have more power than the President of the United States had 20 years ago. We can answer any question, we can video conference with anyone, anywhere, and we can send messages to millions of people instantly. These are all incredible things, but they're only the start. I mean, he makes a valid point. 
If you would have went back a hundred years ago and told somebody that I can pick up this little device and it has a camera on it and I can use that camera to talk to somebody in real time from across the world, it'd blow their mind. They'd, they would accuse you of being a witch or something and try to burn you at the stake. Like they would not, that would not be anything along the realm of probability or possibility for them. So in a way we do have superpowers. And I mean, just as simple as jumping in your car. 200 years ago, you had a horse and a buggy and you pretty much could go like 20 miles in a day. Now you can jump in your car and drive hundreds and hundreds of miles in one day. That's just traveling that they would have not understood. We have planes, we have trains, all of this stuff that we have that they didn't could technically be considered superpowers in a way if you consider what they, what people 200 years ago would look at it as. It'd be magic or sorcery or whatever they believed at that time or whatever that individual person believed it would be something of that nature. He also went on to say that humanity should be prepared to become pets of our future robotic overlords. If you assume at any rate of advancement in AI, we'll be left behind by a lot in what he calls the benign scenario, which essentially is that we would be so far below them in intelligence that we would be a pet, basically like a house cat. And... I think this has been a fear of robots that a lot of people have had for a very long time. And while everyone just kind of dismissed it, it's starting to get to the point where we have to address the situation in some way, shape, or form. We've got supercomputers now that can beat the best humans at chess and at other strategic games. So we have to figure out how far we want to go or how deep we want to go. One of the interesting things that I have talked about with my friends before is that we may see immortality achieved in our lives and not necessarily in the way that people traditionally think. Normally, when you hear immortality, you think like your body has super healing abilities and it never ages and you don't have to ever, you never get sick or you never get hurt and things like that and you just live forever. And while that's a possibility, I highly doubt that we will figure that out because to make something that is biological, that is natural, last forever is highly unlikely, but transferring our brain and our consciousness into a computer may be a little more likely, something that could be possible. And I think that that before we see the rise of AI, we're going to see the ability to put our consciousness into a robot and have a have the physical capabilities of a robot so we'll be stronger faster you know we won't like bones won't break you won't have a heartbeat it'll be something different it'll be a power source or whatever but you won't have to worry about your body breaking down on you now will you be able to incorporate some of the smarts some of the computing power of the robot into your brain that I couldn't even begin to even think about that. But I think that's something that we'll see in the future. And 
the whole AI situation out of sight, out of mind. I won't see it in my lifetime, so I don't worry about it too much. But it is interesting that somebody as intelligent and influential as Elon Musk is kind of scared. And a while back, Stephen Hawking warned about the same thing, that if we don't consider it and if we don't plan for it and if we don't stop potentially that AI will become the dominant force and that humans will no longer be at the top of the food chain but you know what they always say if you can't beat them join them because I'm gonna put my nuts hat on your drum set can you hear me now sprint the Verizon guy is now the sprint guy sprint's newest ad features Paul Macarelli best known as the man in the Verizon ads who traveled across the U.S., held out his phone and said, Can you hear me now? Maricelli, Marcarelli, whatever, I don't know, addresses his defection in his first sprint appearance titled Paul Switched, arguing that the years he spent wandering around the country to drive home Verizon's expansive cell coverage didn't mean much anymore. It's 2016 now, he said, and every network is great. And that is a very, very interesting ad model for Sprint. And I think that they are making a valid point. The commercial continues by essentially saying that Sprint is in within like a percent of Verizon's network reliability, but its rates are much more cheaper than Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, which are your three big giants. So I think I like this. I like that Sprint is saying, hey, you know what? Every network's great now. Granted, there are some places in the mountains or in the middle of the forest that you might not get service, but it does not matter what company you have. They're not going to work everywhere. Some may work a little better in certain areas that you need them to, and obviously that's going to be a big determining factor in your, in your decision. But for the most part and for the majority of people, they all work where they need them to. And so Sprint is basically saying, yeah, we all work in the same spots, but guess what? We're a lot cheaper. So that's why you should come with us. And that's why the Verizon guy switched to us. I like the approach that Sprint's taking on that because in a saturated market, it's really, it really does come down to price. Because right now, there's not a lot of innovating going on in the mobile industry. Speeds are all about the same. Phones are all about the same. Pretty much everything's about the same. The only thing that they have to differ on is price. And so I think for the next year or two, we're really just going to see an all-out price war until that next big thing is invented for the cell phone industry. And I don't know what it's going to be. I'm sure it'll have something to do with virtual or augmented reality. But either way, we're going to see a price war for sure. And this is the beginning of it. I mean, we've seen the beginning of it a little bit with all of the we'll pay your cancellation fees and then we'll guarantee to match your price with them or do better and stuff like that but now we're really seeing the gloves getting taken off and we're gonna see we're gonna let them throw down on this price war hey for ipad search hey for ipod search hey for cell phone search hey for laptop search hey for tablet search hey for 3g 4g ready all right we're about done with the show but as is usual i do want to do an app review the app that i'm reviewing this week is called grow castle and it is a fantastic game it's a great toilet game it's a great waiting in the lobby game it's a great laying in bed for five minutes before you go to sleep trying to just kind of relax game it's just a great 
all-around game. So you download it, and it's really simple. The graphics aren't super fancy or anything, but they get the job done, and you have this little castle. Really, when you start, it's just like a little mound. It's not even really a castle. But anyway, it's kind of like a tower defense. And so you hit battle and then a wave of enemies comes after you and you defeat the enemies. And as you defeat them, you get gold and experience and the gold you can use to upgrade your castle, upgrade your troops, buy new troops and different things like that. As you upgrade your castle, you get more spots to put special hero characters these heroes have special well they also fight but they have special like skills so one of them for example will release like six troops that last for a given amount of time and then behind your castle you've got archers that also help defend your castle you can upgrade the archers you can upgrade your castle as i said you can upgrade your heroes and as you upgrade them their abilities get better and I'm on like level 104 or 105 or something like that. And so, I mean, you can keep upgrading and upgrading and upgrading. The max amount of heroes that you can have are nine. You can also have like four little century type structures. And you can, once your castle gets to a certain level, it like shoots off this special thing in your town that you can use to get bonus experience or bonus gold or bonuses for your heroes or whatever. And then once you get to level 99, you unlock this map. And at the map, you can use the, you can conquer different lands and then they pay taxes to you in gold to kind of help you gain more gold. Because once you get into the high levels, it's really expensive to do anything. The game's free to play, and it does have ads, but it's the ads that I like. You'll never see an actual ad on the game. There is a little banner on the main screen, but if you're playing the game itself, there's no ad. And there's not... The only time you ever see a video ad is okay with me because I like what it does. So after you do a match, it'll have a little thing that'll pop up at the bottom, and it'll have a gold amount. So say like 100,000 gold, and it'll say 100,000 gold if you watch this. And you hit play and it plays either a 15 or a 30 second commercial. And then you get that gold bonus. And that's completely fine with me. They get something out of it in the terms of money. And I get something out of it in terms of gold for my game that I'm trying to play. So it's really cool. It's a great game. Again, it's called Grow Castle. Go download that cheese and play it. It's tons and tons of fun. If you enjoyed the show, please show me some love by liking, thumbs up, subscribing, sharing, rating, reviewing, retweeting, or whatever it is that's used to symbolize the love of the show on the platform you're using to view it. You can follow me on Twitter at M underscore Revo and at Facebook.com slash JustJohnPodcast. You can find the show in its entirety at JustJohnPodcast.com and you can listen to the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, YouTube, Stitcher, Spreaker, or some other shit. You can email me at JustJohnPodcast at gmail.com and remember... Without you, I'm just some dude talking to himself on the internet. Until next time, peace out, fam.